Hello, and welcome to the 47th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Yes, you are. Do I sound loud? No. Okay. I sound loud in my headphones, we'll but turn, that's fine. Turn the headphones down. Okay. Is that better? Yep. All right. See, fixed. Fixed. You fix everything. Mm-hmm. How you doing, babe? Good. Good. All right. Let's start episode 47 off with a shout out to one of our 11 listeners. Do it. I'm just pulling it up on your phone because your phone dies so fast. It does. Why? I don't, I don't know how to change that. It's like after 20 seconds, it's black. I know. I can't figure it out. Okay. All right. This is titled, Love It! Exclamation point. And this is from Christy Fears. Hi, Christy Fears. Who actually happens to be my sister-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Nepotism is not dead. It's not. No. It, we got to use it to our advantage. We do. We do. Christy says... This is such a great concept for a podcast. I love listening to this couple. Their relationship chemistry is so clear. I look forward to Daniel's factoids every week. They add just enough humor to make true crime not so dark. Keep it up, M&D. Thank you, Christy. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. You're still my favorite sister-in-law. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because you're my only (laughs) sister-in-law. That's true. All right, Daniel. What? Do you got some factoids oh, for me? I had no idea what was coming next. We got to keep it moving, remember? That's true. Yeah. Right. People like People have moving. expectations. They like, do. They, they should do. have started yep. the factoid thing. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay. Hit me. Okay. Not too hard. At least not to show bruises. No. <laughs> so just enough. To where it's enjoyable, but not, you know, no, no bruises. All right. Plausible deniability. Let's talk about sex in prison. <gasps> what? Yes. Also known as family visits or oh. also known as conjugal visits. Or adult aerobics behind bars. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Did you know there's only four states right now that allow conjugal family visits? When you say conjugal family visits, that means they go on a trailer that's on the property and the kids are allowed to go in and the kids like sit and watch TV and the parents bang it out in the other room. Wow. I didn't know there was another room. I'm picturing like a little tiny trailer. Um, Well, if the kids are there and they're allowed these family visits, then yeah, there has to be a separate room with with a bed. Okay. Or at least a cot. A cot. A blow-up mattress. I just thought they'd put like um, something over the cell window. No, it's it's actual actual oh. structure. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, what what states is it? So California. I knew it. Of course. We are all sex crazed here in California. Connecticut, New York, and Washington. New Mexico was the latest state to drop it. What was their reasoning for that? That was due to a report and other things too, but mostly from the report that a convicted killer had fathered four children with multiple women while behind bars. Don't you have to be married to them to have conjugal visits? That's what I was kind of wondering. 
I thought you had to be married. So he's divorcing them and then marrying some lady who he meets online. Somehow out of the great state of New Mexico, this dude managed to pull it off. (laughs) Unlike a detachable penis. So anyway, so they dropped it like a hot potato. Okay. And Mississippi, incidentally, was the first to implement conjugal family visits. Okay. But they dropped it in 2014. Oh, okay. Mississippi. Mississippi. So right now only four. California, Connecticut, New York, and Washington. I'm kind of surprised with the Washington. California seems to be the place to be. See, there's pros and cons to every state. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. Right. For example, California is the only state that allows up to four visits per year. So you have four chances to procreate. Up to, but it's totally up to the, uh, the prison officials. Right, because so, you have to be on your best behavior, yep. a model citizen. Yeah, so they could scale it back and or cut it off completely. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. In 2001, I think it was 2001, a U.S. court had ruled that prisoners can send their semen <laughs> out by mail to their... See, I don't know how that... That would only last a few hours. Maybe not by mail. I'm sorry. Send their semen out. Semen first class, go out, um, to artificially inseminate their wives. Mm. Um, and then like, I think it was a year or two later, a um, appeals court overturned it. So as of right now, that's um, a no-go. That's but if so you could, weird. If you can <laughs> so visit weird. them mm-hmm. and have a family time visit, mm-hmm. why would you have to send out your semen? True. Unless it was a state that you couldn't have family time. True. Then you have to send out your semen. <laughs> send out your semen. I wonder if it's very medical. Like Sir, you go, <laughs> send out the semen. Stop. I wonder if it's very medical. Like you have to actually go to the infirmary and then do your thing. Sure. And then you got the cup and cup. then somebody actually physically takes that cup and mails it for you. God. No, or, or hands it. To your wife, who what is gonna or girlfriend who's gonna go in the bathroom? Has to be there has to be a wife. Yeah, she's gonna. Oh, wait. So she's gonna go in the bathroom with like a turkey baster. I just don't know. Up sure. there, sure. Okay, yeah, I have no idea. I don't All really right. care. I mean, I know it's funny. It's funny. Uh, lots of questions. Uh, they get thirty to forty hours per visit in California. So it's not a one-time shot. Like you get to hang out for you 30 can rest to 40 up hours. And visit again within your visit, so to speak. All right. Yeah. All right, California. And it's like you said, a private space, usually a small trailer on the prison grounds. So my question is who gets trailer cleanup duty? <laughs> the prisoners. The other prisoners. Oh no. The ones that are on maintenance crew. Oh. Yeah. Actually, I'd want that job because I would think while you were cleaning the trailer, you could have the TV on and watch TV. I should have looked that up. Do they have like cable and? Well, if they're doing family visits, then kids are coming. Yeah. They and said, they... though, that with the popularity of this, it's very difficult to get four visits per year because there's so many prisoners and there's only mm. so many locations. There's only so many apartments, they call them. Okay. So they can only handle so many. If you are on death row, can you have conjugal visits? I looked that up and it doesn't say they can't. They said actually they ruled that it is up to the prison officials. 
Hmm. Federal prisons, there are no conjugal visits, period. Oh, okay. Like when Martha Stewart was in federal the, prison? Right. The only visit is through a glass. <laughs> Meaning, you know, the... Yeah. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. <laughs> with, the, with the... Should I reenact it? With the... No one's going to see no, it. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Only one state of the four change their policy and they now allow because the other all the other states it's only between heterosexual spouses did you mm. know that oh okay so I didn't california is the only state that now allows conjugal visits between same sex either registered domestic partners and or spouses <laughs> so first mm. we're always first <laughs> i love being a californian yeah. Anyway, um, conjugal visits. See, it's not all bad, folks. You can <laughs> real you can kill somebody and still get laid in four states. In four states, right? So make sure you go to Washington, California, Connecticut, <laughs> New York, and Washington are those states. <laughs> if you're in Texas, oh, you are S O L. Oh, mm. you don't get away with anything in Texas. Nothing. All right. Well, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Thank you again for your factoids. Oh, you're welcome. They're enjoyable as ever. Daniel. Yes. You ready for my case? Let's do it. Let's do this. My case today is on Randy and Teresa Stone. Cool. On March 31st, 2010, in Independence, Missouri, a call came into the local sheriff's department around 5 p.m. It was 38-year-old Teresa Stone. Teresa was calling from she and her husband, 42-year-old Randy Stone's Farmers Insurance Agency. I'm going to read you that 911 call right now. Sweet. I'm kind of going to make fun of her a little bit. Okay, do it. Oh, my God, Teresa said. 911, the call taker responded. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Yes, I do, please. Okay, take a breath. Where are you at? I I just walked into my office and my, my husband's lying on the floor in my office. Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. Where are you? I need the address of where you're at. It's 13912 Nolan Court. Okay, what's the sweet number? Sweet A as an apple. <laughs> okay now what's wrong with your husband he's he's been i don't know there's blood everywhere it's coming out of his ear oh boy all right there's my acting for you it's good i think you Thank should be you. a 911 operator no you know how hard that job is you know how hard it is to get that job is it hard oh my gosh i know many of people who have tried and not didn't get it didn't get it people okay, who were yeah. way smarter than me I don't know that it's about smart. I think it's how well you handle pressure. In right, a, and in you have to be quick extreme. on your quick on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. And talk them through CPR. Oh man. Nope. I would just cry. Be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you to my supervisor. I can't take this right now. Yeah. Teresa did as the nine one one dispatcher had told her and made her way outside to wait for police and emergency medical personnel. But it wasn't a member of the local authorities who arrived first. 
It was a member of Teresa's home church called New Hope Baptist. He asked Teresa where Randy was, and she told him inside the building. He ran inside and found Randy on the floor. He checked for a pulse and couldn't find one. Determining that Randy was deceased, he made his way outside and back to Teresa, confirming her biggest fear. Randy was dead. You might be asking yourself, now how did a member of Teresa's church make it to the scene before authorities? Yes, that is curious. Well, as most of us know, ain't no information spread faster than that of a church phone tree. What? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what a church phone tree is? Well, it's a call-in number, and then it goes through... Yeah, like you start with one person. It's almost like an MLM, multi-level marketing. Okay. Uh, So you start at one person at the top. Okay. Who calls four other people. Those people call four other people. Like old school phone tree, not like a... okay. Yeah, like old school phone yeah. tree. Mm-hmm. This was 2010. Okay. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but Melissa, how did the church find out so quickly? Yes. Good question, audience. <laughs> Teresa had phoned her parents and told them that Randy had been shot and was lying on the floor of her office before she even called 911. What? She called her parents first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Her parents told her to hang up and call 911. Good idea. Her parents then began calling the church members on the phone tree. Of course they did. Yeah. By the time authorities did get to the scene, the small parking lot had begun filling with church members' cars. The front of the office was secured with yellow crime scene tape, and Teresa was put in the back of a police cruiser and taken down to the station to be interviewed. While in the police vehicle, Teresa pulled herself together and stopped crying, even apologizing to the officer for her lack of emotions, telling him that she was, quote unquote, all cried out. Wow, that's a bizarre thing to say. Huh. And it's just going to get more bizarre. Okay. Teresa was led into a small interrogation room with a small table in the corner and two chairs, along with a two-way mirror and a video recorder on the other side, recording everything Teresa had to say. Mm -hmm. Before detectives entered the room, you can see Teresa picking at her fingernails and fluffing her hair. Not the body language of a newly widowed woman. I would think not. Yeah, except I pick at my nails and fluff my hair constantly. Yeah. So they would immediately be like, "Mm, she did it. She did it, for sure. Teresa told investigators that after she and Randy had lunch, she had left the insurance office to run some errands around 1.30. Teresa went to make a bank deposit, arrived at her chiropractic appointment around 1.45, but her actual appointment wasn't until 2. Okay. So she hung out for like 15 minutes. Right, yeah. She left the chiropractors at 2.15. Teresa realized she had a good hour to spare, so she went shopping at the Dress Barn. Yep, the most unfortunate name for dresses. Why in the world would you name a business the Dress Barn? It just sounds like it's for... Big women. Thank you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like you're a barnyard animal. Totally. Like a cow or a pig. That's how I would set up the different (laughs) sections in it. Like you could oh, no. do, you could do like if it's really bad, I'd call it like the pig pen. Oh, 
Daniel. You know, and the, <laughs> the trough. No. Yeah, the trough. Okay, stop. Sorry. <laughs> so All bad. Right. It is bad. Oh, gosh. I think they're out of business now, actually. Think- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Thanks a lot. It now I can't shop it, at Dress Barn. Call it like the Dress Yard or something, <laughs> but the barn. I know, it's bad. We've opened our doors, <laughs> our barn doors, so that you can all fit in here. <laughs> That's what it says. Like, you're so big, they need uh, barn doors just to yeah, let the poor patrons totally. in. All right, go ahead. Okay. Teresa left the clothing store at 241. That is very specific. <laughs> Teresa then picked their daughter up from school at 3.15 and took her to Sonic. She then dropped the daughter off at her parents' house. Okay. And she had receipts. Yeah. And she knew the time of everything and she had receipts for everything. Wow. She was very organized. Mm-hmm. She made sure to show investigators that she had receipts for all of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Teresa headed back to the insurance office and parked next to Randy's blue Chevy Malibu, like she always did. Teresa did notice when she pulled in that the blinds had been closed, which was strange because she always opened them in the morning, and Randy closed them after he left for the evening. Teresa also found the door locked, but the deadbolt was undone, which was Mm -hmm. odd because it was office hours and the door was always open. That is strange. After unlocking the door, Teresa began calling for Randy. Honey, where are you? There was no answer. Uh-uh. She called for him again. Still no answer. Teresa checked in the first room as you walked through the door, which was used as a storage room. It was cluttered, but she did not see Randy. Teresa walked further into the office and looked in Randy's office and found it empty. She walked further down the hall and into her smaller office. Right away, she saw Randy, her husband of almost 20 years, Dang. lying in a pool of blood and brain matter. Oh. His body was in front of the photocopier. Teresa screamed, Randy, wake up. She then stepped over him and grabbed the phone, which was a headset. She gotcha. grabbed the headset, yeah. put it on her head, and then called her parents. Sure. And then 911. Okay. All while telling this horrific and life-changing event, Teresa showed very little emotion. Okay, if I see brain matter, mm-hmm. the words that will never come out of my mouth are, hey, wake up. <laughs> right? Right. I mean, come on, Teresa. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is probably one of my favorite interviews that I've ever watched. Oh, sweet. Interrogations. Because this girl, I think she was just used to getting her way. And I'll explain more about Teresa, obviously. But you could just tell that she thought very highly of herself, thought her acting skills were on point. And she had a roll of toilet paper. They gave her a roll of toilet paper. Okay, she pooped her pants? No. No. To dab her eyes, her oh, fake tears. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, right. Her fake tears. A roll of toilet not a box of tissues? No, it was a roll of toilet paper. That's oh, what I'm saying. This is right. like one of my favorite interviews I've That's ever awesome. watched. Mm-hmm. Here's some toilet paper <laughs> in case you gotta dab your eye. Your fake eyes. Your I mean your fake tears. I must I must, like I'm so proper. Okay, I have to give this police department some props. Okay. Because they were on it. 
They had already found evidence that wasn't making much sense to them and began questioning Teresa on what they had found already. Nice. They had found stuff. Yeah. Investigators knew immediately that this had not been a robbery. There was no sign of a struggle. Randy's wallet had not been taken, and there was $151 in cash just lying in the open on Randy's desk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Teresa also confirmed that the office looked exactly how she had left it. So there was never a struggle. Okay. Okay. Investigators also believed that Randy had known his killer and was comfortable enough with this person to let them get close to him. Randy had been turned away when he was shot. One bullet entering the right temple and never exiting. Randy died immediately, and he never knew what hit him. Well, I mean, at least there's that. And there was no exit wound, which then they were explaining the crime scene as there was blood and brain matter. But if there's no exit wound, then how did the brain matter come out? If the impact wound was that bad... Oh, right. It's Mm -hmm. just going to kind of come back everywhere. Yeah. So he was shot in close range, point blank. Like this person was very close to him. So it was not a holdup. It wasn't anything like that. It was kind of like an ambush, but he knew who that person was right there. Is that an official term anymore? Like a holdup? This is a holdup. I don't know. This is a robbery. A rubbery? Robbery. Ro- robbery. I think I would say hold up, like I was held up, well, or I was like held at gunpoint. The, yeah, like the old Westerns okay. mm-hmm. in the official. They had to officially announce what they were doing. Like, okay, this is a hold up. This, <laughs> this is, is a, a robbery. robbery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Now we know what we're spo- how we're supposed to react. <laughs> okay. A forty caliber spent shell casing was located on the ground near Randy. Teresa was asked if Randy owned a 40 caliber pistol, to which she answered no. Randy had sold it the year before, and she didn't know to who. And it couldn't have been from the gun found in a drawer at the office because that was a 380 Ruger. Yeah, mm-hmm. 380 would not shoot a 40. That's right. definitely true. Investigators also told Teresa that they had found a note at the bottom of her office trash can, torn into multiple pieces. It was a birthday love note. I have to read it to you because it's so cheesy. It's hilarious. Oh, those are the best. Right. You ready? Yeah. Happy birthday, my love. You are so very precious to my heart. You possess the most tender spot in my heart. I care for you more than anyone on earth, and I desire to be with you every moment of every day. Your birthday is my favorite day. I remember nine years ago telling you I had something for you in my office. It was me. I wanted to give you me. Don't laugh. You're going to make me laugh. (laughs) That kiss you took, and then you gave me one back. I felt like it was my birthday. Now your birthday has become a sort of anniversary for me. I love this day so much, and it is all about you, the most amazing woman in all the world. I love you so much. I woke up way before my alarm, and all I could think about was you having a super birthday. (laughs) Okay. I'm not in control of things yet, but when we are fully together, your birthday will always be exciting, full of surprises, romantic, and all about loving you. You are the center of my world. I praise you. 
I adore you. I'm blessed by you. I need you. And I love you. <laughs> All right. So, it's the greatest thing I've ever read. So, there is um, no way no one likes someone that much. No. Oh, God, no. I want to be with you <laughs> and just all over you every minute of every day. Right, right. Like, no, oh, that's too much. No. And telling somebody you're the center of their world, that would freak me out. That Do not is, make me the center of your world. That is really overwhelming. Daniel, am I the center of your world? No. <laughs> no. Thank God. <laughs> All right. Oh, Lord. This love note was handwritten and did not match Randy's handwriting. Not even close. This was actually written in all uppercase letters, which is how I write. So this is, you know, a psychopath that wrote this. Clearly. <laughs> Teresa was asked if she knew anything about this note, to which she replied she had no idea. The investigators, <laughs> the investigators got up to retrieve the love letter and while they were gone, the hidden camera caught Teresa mumbling, Oh, great. I forgot about that. Boom! So, well, who the hell wrote it then? All right. She says somebody else? All right. Just uh, wait. All right. Hurry up. <laughs> Hurry it, up. I want to hear. <laughs> when investigators came back into the interrogation room, Teresa re miraculously remembered. Oh, that's right. That love note was from a secret admirer that had left it on her car door three years before. Three years. Her car door. Yes. Okay. She had put it in her credit card holder in her purse and had forgotten about it. Teresa had just happened to have found it recently and ripped it up. She had no idea who it was from, but was afraid that Randy would find it and get jealous. Teresa did tell investigators that she had a couple suspects okay. of who could have murdered Randy. Okay. Really? Yeah. All right. It could have been the tall homeless man she had seen around the office building. Why would it be the tall homeless man? Um, Because he had a mustache. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, actually, that is suspicious. <sighs> or maybe it was the Kansas City cop that had flirted with her when he had come to the office to buy an insurance policy. Clearly that immediately right. that would, he would murder her husband. Okay. So Teresa, in my opinion... Not very attractive. Sorry. Not even for 2010 standards. Right, I'm going to have to see a picture. Of Not her. very attractive. Okay. Let me show you a picture. And she thought everybody wanted to be with her. She was very much a flirt, and I'll get into it a little bit more, but she- How old was she at this point? Assumed 38. 38. Okay. She was she one of those prime. that thought very highly of themselves and thought that everybody wanted to be with them. So she had there an she unreasonable cut. Oh, boy. That's her. And that's Randy. Oh, boy. I know. Randy's She's a cool guy. Okay. Well, he's still alive. So so she was in her late 30s in this picture? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. She poor thing. She looks like she's 50. I know. Right? Doesn't she? Yes. She looks like she sailed across the world <laughs> in a sailboat by herself without sunscreen. <laughs> And no makeup, right? So she kind of have that weather. She's not very attractive, she but she weathered. thought she was like God's gift to men. I don't know, but Randy was it's, a Randy hey, was a cute guy. It's not about looks. It's not. It's no, not. It's, but when somebody puts them themselves on a pedestal like that, I mean, come on, come on. Maybe she had a really nice chest. 
Maybe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Let me get into this. All right, do it. Okay. She also told detectives that she and Randy had a wonderful marriage and relationship. They always say that. <laughs> so are, are you that. buying that? We don't even say that. No. God, no. <sighs> With no physical evidence tying Teresa to the murder, they had to let her go. Dang it. All right. Randy and Teresa actually grew up together in the northeast area of Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Okay. They actually lived on the same street their entire childhood. They're not like kissing cousins, are they? No. Okay. And they never dated. They never dated when they were kids or in high school or anything. They're just friends. Yeah. And they even attended the same church all through childhood. All right. After graduating high school in 1986, Randy joined the United States Marine Corps and got to travel the world. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for your service, Randy. In 1990... Randy was done with his service and returned to Missouri. 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 That's how they're supposed to say it. Really? I thought it was Missouri. It is Missouri, but people call it Missouri. Missouri. And I don't understand that at all. Uh, No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to say Missouri. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Teresa being three years younger than Randy meant that when he returned home, she'd grown up and he liked what he saw. All right. Plus, Teresa is described as a big old flirt. (laughs) So she was like huggy and like, you know, just one of those girls. Bat, just one of those. Bad at her eyes at him. Yeah. She had her eyes set on Randy and she reeled him in. Nice. Like a big fish. Yeah. By March of 1990, they were dating. And by October of 1990, they were married. Since both had grown up in devout Christian homes, as a married couple, they became members of New Hope Baptist Church. That was also the church that they were married in. Gotcha. In 1991, they had a son. And just two years later, in 1993, Teresa gave birth to a little girl. They were complete. Randy even solidifying it with a vasectomy. Oh. Yep. See? Always good with numbers, Randy began selling insurance, eventually opening up his very own farmer's insurance office in 1995. Once the kids were in school full-time, Teresa got her license, and she and Randy worked right alongside one another, growing their business together. They were extremely successful, even turning their insurance agency into one of the top earners in their region. Wow. Yeah. They worked really hard. Cool. They were always very affectionate and made a great team. New Hope Baptist Church became a huge part of the family's life. They were at church every week and volunteered to teach Sunday school, sing in the choir, work in the kitchen, and Randy volunteering to be on the church's finance committee. Mm. The Stones' house became a sort of meeting spot as well. They enjoyed having fellowship at their home and entertaining whenever they could. They were always throwing parties and get-togethers with the church and... I bet. Like, all that kind of stuff. They were heavily involved in this New Hope Baptist church. Now, Randy's funeral was held at the New Hope Church on April 6th. It was attended by hundreds of people, so many people that no one noticed the two undercover detectives sitting in a pew recording Randy's entire service. There it is. Mm-hmm. They had a feeling the killer might be amongst the mourners. Mm-hmm. His eulogy was given by Pastor David Love. Pastor Love had arrived at New Hope in 1999 to take the helm as head pastor. Randy held him in very high regard, even telling people that Pastor Love was, quote-unquote, the most influential man in my life. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Pastor Love. But there had been rumors swirling for years about an inappropriate relationship with Pastor Love and one of his flock. Can you guess who that oh was? Oh, my God. <laughs> and his name's Pastor Love. Pastor Love. Let me show you some love. <laughs> and they actually called him Brother Love. I'll give you all of my love. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading into it too much. Brother Love. So can you guess who that was? Uh, was it Randy? <laughs> No, it wasn't Randy. It wasn't Randy. Randy. No. All right. Well, I mean, because no. Randy said he was the most influential right. person in his life. But Randy didn't have feelings towards love like that. But somebody in his family did. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> was it his wife? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, gosh. The rumor. Okay. The rumors have begun swirling around town as well, making it all the way to the Independence Police Department. Who had had their suspicions since watching Pastor Love at the crime scene try to get in the backseat of the police car with Teresa? <laughs> Are you serious? Okay, so I have to tell you what Who they the saw. Who wants to get... Oh, my God. So, Brother Love... Mr. Love. Uh -huh. ...showed up at the crime scene, and he's got... Why? ...everyone praying and just hugging, and he's kind of being, you know, the spiritual leader of this group while... At a crime scene? At a crime scene, all right? And he's he's hugging on Teresa and talking to her and whispering to her. And then they say, okay, Teresa, we got to take you down to the station. We need to do preliminary questions. Right. right. And so then they put her in the back and he goes, well, I'm going with her. He said, no, no. you're not. And no, he goes, I'm no. her pastor. And then? I need to go with her. And they said, no, nobody's going in there at all with her. We need to question her. Right. So then they close the door, and he physically tries to open up the door again. And he says, no, I'm going with her. And they said, no, you're not. You are not going with her. He's, and not, he's, he's not even like a hired uh, counsel. He's no. Not and he's just trying to, to physically get this door open. And they drive off while he's still trying to open the door. That's weird. That, that is, is unusual. very weird. That is unusual. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand the whole congregation of people showing up at a crime scene. I don't know. I wouldn't show up just because I would figure there'd be lots of people there, and I don't want to be one of those people. Right. Investigators began digging into the rumors and interviewed family, friends, and fellow members of New Hope. When 38-year-old Pastor Love arrived at New Hope, he was well-liked. Love was young, articulate, attractive, had new ideas to grow the congregation, and was a charismatic speaker. Of course he was. He had married his wife, Kim, in 1982 and had been a youth minister and pastor at two previous churches. But Love's last church in Virginia had split. It had split the congregation over financial issues. Oh, there it is. I couldn't find any more dirt than that on why it had split. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Love had an open-door policy and would give counsel when needed. According to members of the church, Teresa began seeking counsel from Love three times a week. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so I'm going to refer to Pastor Love as just Love because he does not deserve to have Pastor in front of his name. Gotcha. I'm just telling you guys that now. So she would go to him and say, I want you to give me counsel again like you did the other day. It was really good counsel. I'm sure she said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wink. 
And in 2004, after 14 years of wedded bliss, yeah. Teresa became pregnant at 33. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. What? Did you catch something there? Was Okay, either either poor Randy had a failed vasectomy, which on our last episode, remember I discussed vasectomies. Mm-hmm. So unless he had a failed vasectomy, I think she was getting more counsel than she needed. Maybe. From love. <laughs> okay, so Randy did have a vasectomy. Yes. Yeah. But he never went back for his second appointment. <laughs> Stop. Are you I serious? Swear. Babe, I had already done the research on this case when you had the vasectomy factoid the no last week. Way. I swear. I was dying when we were talking about it because oh, I had already done this gosh. case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't. And we didn't plan that no, at all. No, it just happens. Just like just like pregnancy. a post. <laughs> Interesting. So any day now. Stop. Don't. I'm going to start sweating again. Okay. So Randy would tell people that miracles happen. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that if God wanted her to get pregnant, she would get pregnant. Okay. Okay. But a few short weeks after announcing the pregnancy, Teresa had a miscarriage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This devastated her, and she had to go in for counseling with Lev once or twice a day. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm sure she did. So from three times a week to once or twice a day. Randy eventually began seeing Lev every week for counseling as well. Randy was hoping that Lev could help him get the spark back into he and Teresa's marriage. And with Love's guidance, he could become a better husband, father, and Christian leader. Hmm. Yeah. I guess at one point, Randy was caught by Teresa looking at um, naughty pictures. Yeah. And that just devastated Teresa. And so Randy started going in for Mark counseling because of that. So she had to go see Love for Love. Well, and Randy went and saw love more because he wasn't getting any love at home. Man. So he was looking at dirty pictures. Right. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to figure it out, but she's obviously getting it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So she's pulling back from him. So then he's like, okay, um, I'm going to do something. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of spirals from there. Always spirals, doesn't it? A lot of spiraling. (laughs) But in March of 2010, Randy found something interesting. After meticulously going through the church's financial books, he noticed that Love had been making purchases from the church's account. Uh Uh-oh. New Hope had a system put into place that any purchases made from the church's account needed two signatures, but he found check receipts with only Love's signature on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Randy also discovered that there was $30,000 missing from a missionary salary. What? Yeah. Randy took his concerns straight to love, but all love would say was, I will not let a checkbook run my ministry. Oh, he's guilty immediately. Randy wrote an email to the church's treasurer with questions regarding the missing funds and his concerns. Two days later, Love showed up to Randy's office and confronted him about his findings and the email. 
Oh, boy. Yeah. A heated argument ensued, and Randy did not back down. He told Lev that he didn't trust him and that he believed Lev had been taking money from the church. Yeah. Randy, unfortunately, did not take his suspicions or findings to the church deacons or the police. That is where I would have gone See, first. He, that, yeah. You always hear about this stuff. Right. Right. If you don't change, I'm going to tell somebody else. Like, that's no, you should no, tell someone immediately. Just tell. Just tell. But he did write an email to Love and the church board withdrawing his family from the New Hope Baptist Church. Ooh. And I'm going to read you the email. Okay. I am resigning as the finance minister and as a Sunday school teacher effective immediately. I do not want to talk about it. I do not want any emails. I do not want any visits. Done. See, he should have said why. He should have thrown that guy under the bus, started the bus, and driven over him with it. <laughs> right? Why right. Why give him that that level of respect? Right. That, like, well, I'm not going to tell, right. but I'm really upset, and I'm going to leave. It's like, no, you leave. Yeah, you leave. You're the one embezzling money, allegedly. <laughs> The evening of April 20th, 2010, Teresa had another interview at the Independence Police Department. She even signed a Miranda waiver, which means that she agreed to be questioned without an attorney present. Because why would she need an attorney? She's not guilty. Right. Investigators needed to get Teresa to admit to what everyone was saying, that she and Love were having an affair, and that Love had been the one to shoot Randy. Oh, boy. The case was circumstantial at best, so a confession was needed. Investigators began by asking Teresa who had written the love note. After much back and forth, Teresa admitted that it had been Pastor Love. She even called him Brother Love. Oh, my gosh. Teresa was then asked if she thought there was any chance that Love had anything to do with Randy's murder. Teresa replied, no, he's a godly man. He wouldn't do something like that. I mean, other than embezzle money from the church and take her to the counseling room. (laughs) His office, Take him, Take her in the counseling room. (laughs) Office. Okay. Teresa did admit to she and Love communicating with prepaid phones to hide their counseling relationship from Love's wife. Oh, see? Yeah. But she once again denied a sexual relationship, saying that it was an emotional affair. Sure. Getting frustrated, the detective told Teresa that I'm going to read what he said to her. Okay. Okay. I've got about 20 detectives out there that want to take this to a grand jury today, tomorrow. They think we have enough evidence against you to have have you charged because they think you're involved in this. Not that you killed him, but that you had something to do with this. And then Teresa, she was a sobber. Okay, she would sob without any any tears running down her face. Right. I have told you everything that happened on that day. I have receipts to show you. My daughter was with me. She literally sounded like that, you guys. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> Teresa, I already know what you're going to say, but I have to hear it from you. Yes. <laughs> We had sex. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this woman. I hate her so much. Oh, Okay, so Teresa then admitted to the detective that she and Lev had been having an affair for 10 years. What? 
10 years. Good Lord. That's I a long know. Time. I know. And that the pregnancy and miscarriage in 2004 was with Love's baby and not Randy's. Yep. She admitted to that. See, guys but- <laughs> out there, the vasectomies work. <laughs> yeah. Usually, most of the time. But then she told the detective that she had been in the process of breaking up with Love the month before Randy's murder. Uh-huh. That's why she had ripped up the love note. She also said that after Randy's murder, she had walked down the street to use a bathroom since she couldn't go in the office bathroom since it was all blocked off because it was a crime scene. Right. And smashed her prepaid phone that she would call and text love from, even trying to flush the pieces down the toilet. That is a guilty woman right there. Sounds like it. If she's trying to get rid of a prepaid phone, she knows what happened. Yep. The detectives then turned his attention onto the phone call Teresa had made to her parents after finding Randy's body. She told them that Randy had been shot and that they needed to come to the office. But she had told the 911 operator that Randy had blood coming out of his ear. She never said he was shot. And those phone calls were nine minutes apart. Wow. Yeah. That's like an eternity in a situation like that. Yeah. So what did she do for nine minutes? Between calling her parents and hanging up and then calling 911. What happened in those nine minutes is what I want to know. That's a great question. Thank you. All right. So this is Teresa's answer to those questions about that. Okay. This is from the detective. Who told you that he'd been shot? How did you know that he'd been shot? And why didn't you tell us? You're not being truthful with me, Teresa. Uh, I didn't know. You're not being truthful. I did it. Then she says, he sent me a text and told me. Who did? Say it. And then she whispers, brother love. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I know. Okay. Yeah. And then she said that the text read, seriously urgent. Do not go back to the office. In all uppercase letters. Okay. Which I would have texted back and said, don't yell at me, jerk face. Sure. Right. Because he's basically yelling at her not to go back to the office. She went anyway. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was a text from Brother Love to her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure. Teresa telling the detective that the day after Randy's death, Love had come to her house and told her that he had killed Randy. Yeah. What? Yeah. And she says that he told her that he walked in the office and aimed. He didn't even look. Wow, yeah. good shot. She also told the detectives that Love had talked about killing his wife, Kim, as well. Oh, he wished he could break her neck, put her in a car, and push it over a cliff. Teresa told the detective that Love must have murdered Randy to be with her because she was so amazing, you sure. guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she began pinning the entire thing on Love. Mm-hmm. It you was know all the, him. the reality is? What? If he was having a counseling session with her. Mm-hmm. He probably has had similar counseling sessions with other women in the congregation. Daniel, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just I was just kidding. No, I was oh. going to say this is this is a man who grooms people. Yes. He's a groomer. Absolutely. This cannot be the first time he's ever done this. No, 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 no. All it's right. Practice. Yeah, I was I was going to I was going to sure. say that later. Okay. okay, sorry. No, it's, babe, this is great. Take that out. You are getting it. You are totally getting it. I love it. Investigators believe that Randy had been killed with his own gun. 
the 40 caliber pistol that Randy was known to carry around with him everywhere. Okay, people knew that he carried this 40 caliber gun around town and okay. at the office, okay? All right. But she told police that he had sold it a right. year before. Mm-hmm. So she's covering for her brother of love. Yeah. Police knew that he carried this gun. So then they got a search warrant for the Stones' home to look in the gun case for Randy's forty caliber gun a few days after Randy's murder. Okay, so this had already happened. Okay. The gun was not in the safe, but the holster was. Oh. Yeah. But they needed to figure out how, if Love had been the one to do it, how he had gotten his hands on Randy's gun. Yes. They asked Teresa straight up. And then Teresa replied that maybe Love had memorized the combination to the gun safe when Randy was showing off his firearms collection. And she did tell the detectives that Love told her after he had murdered Randy that he had disposed of a gun 20 miles outside of town. Not Randy's gun, but a gun. Something. Mm Mm-hmm. After six hours of questioning, the detective asked Teresa if she would call Love and try to get him to confess. At 12.43 a.m. This is 12.43 a.m. And they want her to call him and try to get him to confess. Yeah, that's not a good time. All right. But Teresa called him. Okay. And they recorded it. Okay. All right. But any idiot is going to be suspicious of a phone call from your mistress at a quarter to 1 a.m. I would be suspicious of anything from her at that point moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Because he knows she knows he did it. I'm going to read you the phone call. Oh, my God. You have to do something. I can't live like this anymore. This is just killing me. This is going to be brother love, right? All right. Okay. Who's there with you now? Are you home? (laughs) Okay. I need to know why. I need to know why you killed my husband. I need to know. Please. I can't live like this anymore. (laughs) Okay, but before David could respond, or Pastor Love, or Brother Love, before he could say anything, his wife grabbed the phone from him. Okay, his wife, Kim, grabbed the phone from him, and she would not let him talk to her. And she says, trust you after all that you've already done? Teresa, what do you want with David? What do you want with my husband? Just tell me what you want. And then oh, she hung boy. up the phone. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. So then uh, they, sorry, this is so funny. They had a police cruiser out front of Pastor Love's house. Nice. Okay. Just waiting to Just, see what would sure. happen after she called him. And um, within minutes of that phone call ending, Love left his house with his wife. They got in the car and pulled out of their, their garage. At close to one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Gotcha. Where they're going, nobody knew. But right. I mean, so they were pulled over and they were both taken in to be questioned. Right. Yeah. That was right. smart because it, it's early, yeah. they're tired, they might say something. Teresa and Love passed each other in the hallway of the police station and Teresa said to Love, I told them everything. And then Love responded, don't worry, I will take care of everything. And that was their last interaction that they've ever had. Wowzers. (laughs) Yeah. So Love declined the interview and asked for a lawyer. 
As he should. Yeah, he lawyered up. Love's wife, Kim, was also being interviewed, and she told investigators that she had long suspected the affair. Yeah, she's throwing them on the bus. But she did say that that came along with being a pastor's wife because he was handsome, and so women would throw themselves at him all the time. So she was always having to push women away from her husband. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually not Mm -hmm. normal. Yeah. So she told investigators the story about a ring. Love had gone to a local jewelry store and had bought his wife a ring. She didn't like it. No. No. She didn't like it. Because she's kind of stuck up, too. Yeah. So she took it back. And then as the person behind the counter gave her a receipt, she noticed that another ring had been purchased. And she thought that was like four times as expensive as the ring that he had just bought her. So she was thinking, oh, okay, my birthday's coming up. He's going to give me this other ring for my birthday. Okay. Her birthday came and, and went. went. There was no ring. So yeah. then she had the the description of the ring on the receipt. So she went into the website and found the ring, and she noticed that it was a ring that Teresa had been wearing the last few weeks. Oh. And so then Kim, Kim and Teresa didn't get along very well. They really didn't like each other. So then she went up to Teresa and she was like, oh, that's a lovely new ring. And Teresa goes, oh, it's $10 from JCPenney. <laughs> and Kim's <laughs> like, oh, okay, sure. So then, um, so then Kim confronted her husband, who then took the ring back from Teresa and gave it to Kim. He's like, here you go. You can have it. So, so Kim ended up taking that ring back took all the money from both rings and bought herself something that she wanted. Yeah. Isn't she missing the big picture? She is. Okay. Oh, she totally is. Like, it's not about the rings or the money. It's about the fact that he's buying a ring for a... Right. But he was still denying a sexual affair with Teresa. But he's buying her a ring that she's wearing on her married finger. No, no one buys a ring for someone that's not getting some. Right. Love was out of jail the very next day. According to the Jackson County prosecutors, there just wasn't enough evidence to arrest Love for the murder of Brandy. Yeah. Yet. 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 On April 23rd, Love called a meeting at his house and resigned from his position at New Hope Church. He admitted to the affair, but not to killing Randy Stone. Okay. Investigators kept digging. They were able to get a search warrant for the Love's home and Love's church office and computer. They did recover emails that Love had sent Teresa in January of 2009. Many explicit texts, emails, and photos. Ooh. Love, love to take nude photos of himself and send them to Teresa. Of course he did. There were 30 photos in all. Uh, how, and how yeah. old is he again? He's the same age, right? He, like in his 30s? No, he's um in his late 40s. What? Yeah. I didn't say how old he was. Uh, you probably did. I apologize. I he was about 10 years older than them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, oops, I hit my mic. Yeah, he loved to take nude photos. <sighs> All right. Man. I'm going to read you some of the emails. I long for the touch of your hand as you walk by and the twinkle in your pretty blue eyes as you smile at me. You are my doll. Your encouragement is all that keeps me going. Wow. Thank you for being so wonderful, beautiful, sexy, and smart. I live to please you. I am so totally in love with you. And then they were planning on getting married, you guys, after their spouses were dead. 
They what? were going to get married. Yeah. Man, this is very elaborate. Yes. I cannot wait to watch you walk to me, knowing that we are officially about to be married publicly. I love your ideas. I love your plans. I think you can collect wedding info and file it as if you are planning for your daughter's wedding. Gross. Wow. So Teresa did respond to that one, and she said, maybe a rose garden or something like that. My dress, I am not sure. When I find the perfect dress, you will be the first to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? A bit. How do people have so much damn time? I don't know. I'm going to start over with that. Yeah. How do people have so much time? I don't know. We have no time. I could not even find time to try to cheat on you, let alone cheat on you. And and they have two kids. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the love triangle, but. I had found something that said they had six kids. But then I saw a no. picture and it looked like they had three kids. Okay, but they so had they more had than kids. zero. Yeah. They had older children. Okay. Which but- at this time, the Stones had a son in college in Florida. And then the daughter was still in high school. So they had older kids, too. So, yes, they, they had started, older kids. They started really young. They started really young. Yeah. Like at 19. Huh. Investigators also talked with Teresa's family. They found out that Randy had been out at Teresa's parents' Jackson County farm practicing shooting with a forty caliber pistol only two to three weeks before he was murdered. So he had that gun at Teresa's parents' property. Okay. Okay. Investigators raced out to the property and found five spent forty caliber casings right in the spot that Randy had been practice shooting. Guess what? What? Those casings matched the casing found at the scene. There you go. Randy had been killed with his own ga- own gun. But once again, how did Love get it? How did he get this gun, right? She gave it to him. Okay. Cell phone right. records also showed Love's cell phone pinging off a tower near Randy's insurance office around the time Randy is believed to have been murdered. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. On November of 2010, seven months after Randy was murdered, the evidence against Love was brought before a grand jury. They indicted Love for first-degree murder. He was arrested in South Carolina, where he was now working as a long-haul trucker. His family had moved with him. Once again, Love asked for an attorney and refused to talk to detectives. His wife was still with him. Wow. Why, Kim? Why? Why were you still with him? I actually want to know. Okay, I'll tell you. I want to know why people stay. I'll tell you why. Okay, why? Either she has skeletons in her closet. Ooh. Or she has skeletons with him. And so, or she feels so little about herself, she she doesn't feel like she could do better. I don't know. You see interviews with her, and she was a feisty little thing. I don't know why she put up with that crap. I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe right. because she was in on it. Maybe she knew like Maybe he she was... was stealing the money too. Yes. That's yeah. what I mean. Okay. She probably Yeah. Rarely do you have a couple like that where one is totally innocent and the other one is totally guilty. Because right. at some point your paths are gonna cross. Yeah, right? that's true. I don't know. All right, we gotta finish this up. All right, love. All right. Love. <laughs> Eight months after Randy Stone was murdered, Teresa Stone was sitting in an office at the Jackson County Courthouse, surrounded by prosecutors, her defense attorney, and a court reporter. Teresa was ready to tell her final secrets. 
She told them that she provided love with the codes to their garage door, their house alarm, and the gun safe. There you go. I knew it. Teresa had also sent Love a text a few days before the murder saying that she wanted Randy dead and that she wanted him out of her life. That, ladies and gentlemen, is conspiracy. I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Teresa was indicted on May 27th, 2011 for conspiring with Love in the murder of her husband, Randy. On November 9th, 2011, in an Independence, Missouri courtroom, David Love quietly took a plea deal. All he had to do was admit to murdering Randy Stone in cold blood. This is his admission. Okay. This was um, his attorney talking to him. On March 31st, 2010, in Jackson County, did you knowingly cause the death of Randy Stone by shooting him? Yes, answered Love. Did you use a firearm and commit the crime of armed criminal action? Yes, answered Love. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's all he said. That's it. That's Three it. Three yeses. The two yeses. One, two. Two yeses. <laughs> yes. The, the judge sentenced 51-year-old David Love to life in prison with the possibility of parole after serving 25 years. He is housed at the Southeast Correctional Center in Charleston, Missouri. Love will be eligible for parole in 2036. He'll be in his 70s. You know what they don't have at the Southeast Correctional Center in Charleston, Missouri? (laughs) They don't have conjugal visits. No conjugal visits. (laughs) So Kim ain't getting none. She's not getting any love from love. (laughs) As love was heading out the door to prison, he told the prosecutors that he had thrown Randy's gun into a fast food trash can right after the murder took place. Do you know how much weird crap is probably thrown into gas station trash yeah. cans and fast food, especially right off the totally. side of the freeway. Yep, totally. Mm-hmm. I throw all my weird stuff at the gas station trash <laughs> your, cans. Your love notes, your torn anything, up love notes. You name it, chicken yeah. bones, love notes, I throw them in there because you don't want that stuff in your car. No, it stinks. Yeah. It stinks up everything. Just saying. Right. That's it. That's all that Love has said about the murder. He hasn't told anybody what actually happened that day. Because he doesn't have to. And what went on between he and Randy that day. Teresa Stone had her day in court on June 15, 2012. She had already pled guilty weeks before. On this day, she was being sentenced. The prosecuting attorney went over the evidence with the sentencing judge, showing the torn-up Love note, the emails between Teresa and Love, and they had a witness who just happened to be the Farmers Insurance District Manager of the region. He testified that the day after Randy was murdered, he went by the Stones' house to pay his condolences. He found a distraught Teresa inside, surrounded by family. Teresa tearfully suggested that the two go out on the front porch to talk. When they walked outside, her demeanor completely changed, and she began asking when she could cash in on Randy's life insurance policy that she knew was worth almost $800,000. Wow. But what she didn't know was that back in 2005, Randy had switched his beneficiary from Teresa to their two children. Good job. Without her knowledge. This was five years before So he, he died. suspected. He knew something was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that in actuality, the policy was worth around $625,000. 
Teresa got absolutely nothing. She was shocked. So Randy totally knew something was up with Teresa and he no longer trusted her. See, and that's why I only have a $20,000 life insurance policy that goes to the dog. <laughs> you would. You would do Just that in now, case wouldn't you? She gets like a, you know, a bad right. hip or right. something. Right. His dogs, you know. Totally. Something. So he knew. And that in 2005 is right after she had miscarried Love's baby. So mm-hmm. I think he knew that that wasn't his baby. Remember, we talked about it last episode. You said if you became pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> and me knowing I had a vasectomy. Right. Would I immediately think the vasectomy went wrong or that you were cheating? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I probably think you were cheating. Yeah. Or at least that That's would true. cross my mind as yeah. a plausible, I hope it plausible choice mind. of things. Yeah. Teresa and Randy's two children also got on the stand and asked the judge for leniency when sentencing their mother. Okay. I that would, ooh, I don't know. That would be hard. Teresa got up in the courtroom and made a statement. She said the sobbing. She was sobbing again. I can't believe that she would sob given all of the (laughs) reenactments you've done. (laughs) All right, here we go. Ready? Do it. I am so sorry. If I could do anything to change it, I ask you today to show mercy. I am totally responsible for my actions. End scene. Yeah. That was good, right? I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, you're still guilty. Go away. (laughs) Teresa was convicted of conspiracy to commit second degree murder and sentenced to the maximum of dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. Eight years. In prison. That's it? Eight stinking years in prison. (sighs) She is out and living a quiet life in Kansas City, Missouri. That girl Mm. is no longer behind bars. She is actually getting conjugal visits on the regular. (laughs) I don't know. know. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Eight years. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I guess that if that should teach us anything. Don't be the one behind the trigger. <laughs> no, be the one that just helped plan You can help it. plan it, but. Right. Uh, Talk your stupid lover into doing it. No, don't do that. Don't do that, guys. Don't do that don't either. Do that. Just get a divorce. Get a divorce. What investigators and prosecutors believe was the motive in the killing of Brandy Stone? Teresa wanted to be a pastor's wife. That's why she did it. What? She wanted to be a pastor's wife. Why? And of course, the monetary gain from the life insurance policies that she thought she was getting. Yeah. 600 grand, 800 grand? Yeah. That's going to change your life? And then be a pastor's wife. All right. I, I don't know, you guys. Okay. And the motive for love was that Randy had so much dirt on love that it could have ruined his family and his career. Plus, Randy was taking Teresa away from love by taking his family out of the church. Okay. That is why Love wanted to kill him. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If he's that smooth, he'll he'll find another Teresa. Ex- and another church. And another church. Yeah. And, Kim I mean, right by his side. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You ready for a fun fact? Yes. All right. Not even 24 hours after Randy was shot and killed, Teresa was at the tanning salon getting all bronzed up for Randy's funeral. She asked the girl behind the counter counter to move her husband Randy's credits over to her tanning credits. 
Are you serious? Yeah, that that bothered me. I okay. had to let you guys in on that craziness that is Teresa. That totally bothered Even me. Even if, let's, let's say someone in her family died and they're going to a funeral. Mm-hmm. Who the hell goes and gets tanned in order to attend a funeral? I don't like, know. Who cares? But that's why she looks so old. That's why she looks hideous picture. in those pictures. Okay. Yeah. I am I not know. attracted to Teresa at all. Me neither. Yeah. Or love. <laughs> or love. No. No. Actually, I haven't seen a picture of love. I want to see a picture of him because that'll help yeah. a lot. I'll show you. And I'll post okay. all the pictures on Instagram so everybody can see who we're talking crap about. That way you guys can join right. in being judgmental like yeah. us. Yeah. Randy super handsome and he was totally into fitness and he played basketball on the regular like he was a cutie pie i would have gone for randy way more than i would have gone for brother love so what is it no offense to pastors out there but what is it that makes women is it because they're up on stage and they're like larger than life and they're like you know almost godlike in a way because they're up there and so it just makes them want them I don't know. That's a great question. Or maybe it's power. Maybe women really want to be with somebody of power. Yeah. And influence. Right. Right. So thank God you don't have any power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or I'd be kicking women to the curb all the time. Sure. Stay away from my man. Yep. Unless you give me $20. Yeah. I will allow you. <laughs> You're worth $20. <laughs> I will allow you to be in counsel with him for $20. Oh, nope. No thanks. You ready for another fun fact? Yep. Let's do it. Teresa told detectives that the hardest part of having an affair for 10 years was pleasing two men. She was exhausted. Oh, boy. Especially because she was banging love <sighs> once a day. Really? Is what people were saying. Yes. She was seeking Dang. counsel for him from him once or twice a day. All right. So, so in one he... of those counseling sessions, they're feeling something. But then he's also married to Kim. Right. And then she's also married to Randy. Right. So between the four of them, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of something. Huh. Something gross. I don't want to think about that. No. So, Daniel, what did you think of my case? I don't know. It's that's just that's insane. I know. The hell's wrong with people? We say that every time. I don't know. You know what? Okay, here I'll give people a choice. You can either get divorced or officially agree to become swingers (laughs) and put the pineapple stickers on your car. Incidentally, I saw two cars the other day. Big ass pineapples on the back. Okay, Bakersfield. If you are a swinger, you need to move to Bakersfield. And this is why I no, tell you this. I think it's everywhere. I don't think no. it's Bakersfield. Bakersfield is a huge hub for swingers because they're coming from Northern California, the coastal areas, and from LA County. Like an airport hub? Yes. Like people we are a, and- Yes, we are a swingers hub. I've been told this multiple times, what? two times by sheriffs. Okay, and they know when the parties are going to happen, but there's nothing they can do about it because it's not illegal. No, it's all consensual. Yeah, it's all consensual. Party, right? So you know, Bakersfield. We are known for there you go oil and swingers. It's an alternative to divorce. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. we'll just share each other. You can't even buy a pineapple at you know Walmart without somebody making a comment or you having to take a picture and post it on social media that you're buying 
You're last time a we pineapple. went, last time we went, and we got <laughs> a pineapple. I took our took our daughter, <laughs> and um, I had her put the pineapple in a bag and place it in the cart so that I wasn't the one <laughs> picking the pineapple up and holding it over my head and walking around with it right. to see what people's reactions are. Yeah, I want to see how much you get hit on with a pineapple. It for didn't sure. happen. No. Did a guy winked at me though. So that was Oh, weird. but that makes you feel good, no, right? Not at all. Oh, okay. I was like, um, when a guy winks at me, it makes me feel good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> all right. Well, my resources for this crazy case were once again a ton of articles. I even found a six part series from the Kansas City Star written by reporters Mark Morris and Brian Burns. They spent weeks gathering information and interviewing anyone and everyone involved in this case. They reviewed more than 4,000 pages of police and lab reports and listened to hours and hours of recorded interviews with suspects and witnesses. These reporters definitely did the heavy lifting. Like, I didn't have to do that much research because they did ample amounts of research on this. So thank you very much, Mark and Brian. It was awesome. There's also an episode of Snapped on this case. Of course, you know, Snapped. Always. Um, The story is also featured on a show called Deadly Wives, which is my favorite show because the narrator's voice is sarcastic and condescending and they totally make fun of the perpetrators. Sure. It's so the perps. Yeah. It is my favorite. Go watch it. They're so funny. All right. And I believe there's also a 2020 episode. I didn't watch that. So if you're interested, go watch these. They're pretty good. This was a great story. This was a great case to cover and to watch for sure. I had a friend at when I was telling him we were doing this podcast and he goes, well, so it's about couples killing each other. I go, yeah. And he says, so how do you guys find any women killing men? Because it's always men killing women. Mm-mm. No. And I was like, no, actually, Mm-mm. that's not the case. So it's funny because people think like, oh, no, it's only men killing women. No. I actually have to search for episodes or cases that have to do have to deal with men killing their wives. Yeah. I, I really do. And they're not as interesting, as crazy as that sounds. They're not as dramatic as the ones where the wife is killing the husband. No, because women are much better planners. Yeah, so for they sure. put a lot more thought into it. Guys for are like, sure. I don't know what to do, <laughs> and they just do something stupid. I and pushed get her down the stairs and blamed it on an owl. Yeah, like they just—it's stupid. Like I will be covering that case if anybody just heard what I said. I will be covering that case. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's on the docket. It is. It is. Nice. Yes. So, are we good? Any questions? Are you satisfied? So. Yeah. Yeah. As Brother Love was satisfied. Yeah. And if anybody is religious that is listening to this, we are too. So we are not making fun of church. We are not making fun of pastors. We are not no. making fun of your religion. We are just making fun of this specific case. And in any sort of job, there is always going to be rotten eggs. Oh, gosh, yeah. And Pastor Love, uh, you know what? I'm not, he, no, he doesn't deserve that. He's not a pastor anymore. No, he's not. David Love is a prime example of a rotten egg. Yeah. Who is exactly where he needs to be and who never should have been held up on such a high pedestal as a man of God. Yep. Because he obviously was not. Yeah. So there's my soapbox for the day. 
<laughs> yep. Not everyone is worthy of being elevated to pastor. No, not at all. That is for sure. Yes. That's tough, though. It's tough to turn away Teresa. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no. She looked uh, like Quasimodo. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> all right. Well, be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. Bye. Bye.